This podcast is produced by Unedited. Hello, Dreamers, and welcome to episode 120 of the Dreamers Disease podcast with me, Alex Manzi. And basically, after going through like my own battles with depression and anxiety, I wanted to create this platform to help inspire you to make a positive change in your life like I had to do. And whether that is a discussion about everyday struggles or hearing the story of an inspirational guest, we aim to help you to start becoming the best version of you. And this is a brand new feature within the podcast called The Corner because this is the corner of the podcast where I'll sit down with two other guests and we will have a really open and honest discussion about a number of topics. And on this episode of The Corner, I am joined by two amazing content creators and fellow podcasters. Alex Reeds is the host of the Mostly Lit and Time to Talk with Alex Reeds podcast. And Ryan Nile is the host of the For the Creators podcast and the Ryan Nile show. And what I loved about this conversation is that you just have three guys sat in a room with microphones and we're just talking super openly about things like emotions and we're talking about how we deal with them. And there's a a really nice section where we're discussing therapy and the benefits of it. And Alex shares some tips on how to find a therapist. We discuss love languages. We talk about creating boundaries for yourself and the importance of that. And it's just a really raw conversation that you don't really hear guys talking about too much. So I really respect and am thankful for Alex and Ryan for joining me for this episode and for being so open and honest with everything. And I hope that you guys do enjoy it. But before we jump in, I just want to thank you for being here. Do make sure you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Make sure that you also leave a five-star review because that really helps spread the message of the podcast and helps it get out there to other people. And also hit me up on Instagram at IamAlexManzi if you have any questions or want to hit me up or just discuss anything in general. But right now, let's jump straight in and hear this conversation with Alex and Ryan. So I am joined today by two wicked dope. It's probably the the, the more on-trend word. uh, (laughs) Podcasters and creators, Alex and Ryan. How's it going, guys? Good, man. I'm um, good. I'm good. Yeah. Um, yeah, really good. Winter is here. Winter is here. So, <laughs> I'm but Anton's wearing shorts. He's I can't, wearing get, shorts, I can't figure it out. He's from up north. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. This, is, this, is, this is summer. <laughs> oh, it's easy for him. You know what I mean? But yeah, so just to give some kind of context to the people listening, can you just give a little, like, two, three lines about who you are and what you do? Who am I? I am Ryan Nile. Um, I've spent most of my time producing music. I'm doing it like this is TV. Like, hey. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I spent most of my time as a, as a music producer. Um, recently, in the last uh, couple of years or so, um, moved into podcasting because I've always loved having these conversations in the studio and stuff. Mm. And obviously in the background in audio. So yeah. yeah, just started having these conversations, man. Um, got two podcasts for the creators, which is about uh, the creative process and creative minds. Um, and my new show, The Ryan Nile Show, which is all about intimate conversations with incredible people. So yeah. all walks of life. Yeah, Lovely. that's me. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I'm Alex Reeds, a podcaster, a writer, a journalist. Um, so I hosted and produced Mostly Lit. It was a books podcast that started in around late 2015, early 2016. And I host my own podcast called, now called Time to Talk with Alex Reeds. And yeah, I just produce and create all these other content. But I speak a lot about mental health, well-being mm. and just generally like self-improvement. I'm just trying to, yeah. trying to get on and get through. Yeah. It's tough out here. Yeah, for um, sure. But yeah, for I'm sure. a lifestyle journalist and, um, and just general writer. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so what I'm interested in, because it's funny because when I, I asked both of you separately if you wanted to come on the podcast... Mm. And I was like, oh, I kind of want to do like a group one with 
like because this is a kind of theme I'm going with at the minute, like a mini theme within the podcast. And I was like, oh, I got Ryan, I got Alex. And I was like, ah, do you know what? Actually, they're going to make a wicked little pairing because <laughs> we're all kind of on the same vibe, like yeah. making content, For like sure. talking about the similar things, mm. interested in similar topics. Um, and, you know, like what I find really interesting is the creative journey behind that as well. So like for me, like I started off in like 2010 as a blogger, really. Like I was working in a factory, started a music blog, then went into working in events while still doing the blog, started a club night off the back of the blog, okay. then went into advertising and then started working in social media because of having the blog. It kind of gave me the experience and the knowledge and then then starting the podcast and then, you know, making more content for my uh, Instagram and online and YouTube on whatever. So like that kind of creative journey is kind of, it's always been I've always had something creative mm. to do in my spare time that I've put my kind of passion and energy into but like how's that been for you guys has it been a similar thing or has it been like a struggle at times is it like what's that what's that been like well it's a little bit like planning and then getting it out is yeah. the first thing because it's like for me I think a whole idea to death mm. you know like I'm just like I, think, oh. yeah, yeah. I remember when I first started my like my own podcast I it took me ages I was up at, I was up all night like with all these crazy ideas I'm like oh I want to do it this way I do it this way what am I going to call it mm. what am I going to call it and um yeah, like it has you really, really thinking about everything that you don't need to think about when you can just like, just go and just start Just thing. do it, yeah. Um, and that's kind of yeah, where I was when I first started. Yeah, man. Uh, for me, uh, like you're talking about like doing a creative process on the mm. side, like that's been my life yeah. since I can remember. Yeah. I've always like, I've always done something creative outside of school and then going from school into college and starting music production. Like it's always been the thing that I've done on the side. And that's been really helpful in the sense that um, at a point when I did do just do it full time, it added a, uh, an element of pressure yeah. that I hadn't ever experienced because it's always been my outlet. It's always been something I've done for fun. Um, yes, I working with like serious people and stuff, but it never been like the be all and end all. Mm. So when it was, that's when it was like, raw like i i now have to do this i now have to be successful at this to pay bills mm. and it's like it was, it was never that before so um and i'm just like jumping through like 15 <laughs> 15 years but going back to it being um a creative outlet is uh so much easier so yeah. much more peaceful you gotta keep the, you gotta keep the heart in it yeah sometimes it's the hard bit isn't it it's like keeping the faith within it and like so when you get to that point where you're like oh is this something that I want to like become a job as well as like my mm. creative outlet like mm. trying to get that balance or trying to work that balance in yeah. can sometimes be like a sh big struggle within it isn't it yeah and it also, also depends on like what you're what kind of job you're balancing it against mm. like, yeah, I know, yeah I know I was working in a in a newspaper like a, a real like the bang in the newsroom it was like 40 plus hours a week and then it would be running from there to the studio mm. on a Friday Saturday or whatever um, after, on the back of a late shift and all of that and it was it really it tests your resolve because you're like how much more do I want to do this but you, you I feel like it was kind of running away from the day job in a mm. sense mm. and then when I went freelance I was like well I got all of this time now what do I do sort of thing and then that's that, that adjustment was another one I don't know about you how was that for you yeah. like you said when you went into full time like, same thing that? man same thing because it's like you, you always think in your mind like Oh, when I'm a boss, mm. like no one's gonna tell me what to do. Yeah, <laughs> but you're the boss, mm. so no one's like not. You're not gonna tell yourself what to do. So at the same point, 
you know you need to get results yeah. but then I'm the boss so I'm just going to sleep in today yeah. do you know what I mean so it's like how do you how do you get that balance mm. yeah it was, it was it was definitely a difficult um, adjustment for sure yeah. yeah 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 and I find like the, the thing for me is like the adjustment but also you get to a stage where it's like you're creating stuff and it's like you know like podcasts for example we, we've all got podcasts right so it's like you're you're like I'm really happy with my podcast I'm really happy with that output the content the guests the conversations and everything but then you can't help sometimes about looking at other people and going like oh like how are they doing so well comparison like, is the like thief that, of joy yeah exactly yeah, yeah, that comparison that always kind of sneaks in and kind yeah. of almost kills your almost like starts to chip away at your own belief in what you do mm. and like sometimes I find that a big struggle in terms of like just reassuring myself like nah just keep doing what you're doing keep doing what you're doing like yeah, don't, don't look at each other's for like comparison sakes like use it as something else like maybe inspiration or whatever. 100% 100% so I done a, a short vlog the other day on this very subject yeah. and I filmed it when I was feeling exactly like that um, just in just in general and um, the vlog's called um, no, basically know your why yeah. because um, at times like that when it when you, that voice comes into your mind and it's like oh well what's the point like you're doing all of this stuff and you're kind of doing it out of wonder goodness of your heart. And plus you just want to see this thing out, out there. But it is work. It's, it's a lot of work. Um, and when you don't necessarily see the metrics of that, then that voice is like, oh, just allow it, man. Mm. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? No one cares, blah, blah, blah. And you have all those things. And if you start listening to that voice more so than your your reason of, of why you're doing it, mm. that's when it can be quite dangerous so mm. I think, yeah just really establish your why and mm. i think this is actually testament to to your why my mm. my why and your why because like you said you speak about mental health i know that this is what this podcast is about and mm. that's definitely my mission in life is to just help people be a little kinder to themselves absolutely you know what i mean so mm. we don't need to put that much with the world on our shoulders like mm. at the end of the day this is a an outlet and if it helps if it helps one person, then we're doing our job. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But like listening to that voice inside you sometimes, you've got to tell it to shut up. You mm. know what I mean? Sometimes, because it's like we just end up, um, we end up like putting ourselves in places where we just don't really, hmm, that we don't necessarily end up believing in what we're doing and whatnot. And it's some, the, that element of doubt is, is so sacrifice, is so, um, so they're troubling to the way that we kind of like create and put things out. It's bit, and like, but it's also a testament to show how much we love what we're doing mm. at the same time. Because if we didn't have that voice, then we probably wouldn't even have started or continued doing what we're doing. Yeah. So, so like, it's about figuring out ways to figure out how to trust that voice as well at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> yeah. And also having, having a diversity Sorry. of voices <clears throat> in your head. Like, I know I've watched Gary V for so long. <laughs> I don't need to watch any of the videos anymore yeah. because he's in my head. So anytime that I'm not doing what I need to do, I hear, I say, oh, what would Gary V say? Boom, there's the voice. Yeah. Or what would Tim Ferriss say or Lewis Howes <coughs> or, yeah, or, or any of these people um, that have these, like I've got mentors in my head just by consuming their content. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So I've got my own voice. Sometimes it's really helpful. Sometimes it isn't. So I can, you know, it's good to pull on different people's. Yeah. How do you manage the voice then when it's not so helpful? Uh, my wife <laughs> yeah she helps me make um make sense of it all like uh, uh up to a point i'm i'm really good but when i do get into that 
that mode <coughs> where like the the clouds have just come over me and it's a bit too I can't, I just, I'm not making sense of it all mm. um, I'll just speak to her and it may may come out as words that aren't even cohesive cohesive sentences mm. but she'll help me help me make sense of it yeah, yeah. what about you Alex what, what do you do when it's like you're battling against that, that um, voice yeah I've just come out of a kind of a depressive anxiety funk and um it takes a while. Yeah. It takes a while. Like I have to sit, I really have to sit down. And I think a lot of people don't really understand. Like they want to go, when they go freelance, when you go freelance, you don't realise how lonely it's going to be. Yes. You spend eight hours a day at work with people distracting you from all the stuff that you're doing outside yeah. of life. Yeah. And um, finally, when you're like, oh yes, I'm out of work. I'm doing all this by myself. I'm doing my thing. The high is great for a while. And then you're by yourself, but you're, you're literally by yourself in your own determinations after. Mm. And then all of the things like around self, self-doubt and self-deprecation tend to come. And it's been a year of me like really trying to figure out how to talk to myself and be, and be compassionate and mm. be kind to that, that part of me. Yeah. But dealing with that voice has been like a, a consistent battle for like the past 10 to 11 months because yeah. like he just pops up. It's out here talking shit in my head and you know what I mean it's just and I know I try to quiet him try to read try to do all that stuff but sometimes um you know for me writing and getting and kind of getting my thoughts out and making sure that you know I'm journaling before I go to sleep or making sure that I'm empty in my mind before I go to bed or whatever and then the affirmations yes um because it's all about, because we talk about love languages, we talk about how, like, how we receive and all this kind of love, but we never talk about self-love mm, languages yeah. and stuff. Mm. Talk, like for me, like, affirming myself, like having to do, I don't necessarily need it from others, but when I'm talking to myself, kind of need those affirmations to kind of make sure that I'm believing what I'm saying. And then that kind of sets me up for the day or sets me up Completely, for the evening, you know yeah. what I mean? Completely. So it's a, it's, a, it's training, like you literally have to train yourself to be able to speak to yourself kindly. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and I think it's also I find a lot of it comes down to like expectation mm. and that's even you mentioned like love languages that's even with like relationships <coughs> with people and not necessarily like a partner but friends as well it's like absolutely a lot of the time it's the expectation like you like that person may not have done anything out of their normal kind of situation in life but because they haven't done what you've expected them or would have liked from them to do in terms of like a love language or whatever mm. you then internalize it as something bad and you start to think like oh, well can't believe you didn't do that and you're not like that but it's yeah. like that's just who they are and what they're like you mm. can't bring that in onto yourself mm. you have to find that balance of like letting them be who they are and do what they do without then you putting the expectation well, not even like putting the expectations about having the expectations mm. and then creating disappointment within yourself when they don't kind of meet yeah, that man. yeah high, for sure high man. expectation is like you're setting yourself up for disappointment I've been having this conversation re- recently mm. with people and the question I asked them is what, in what in what example or what situation does expectancy bring you joy because in most examples or most situations it either brings you uh, just a level of mm, okay <laughs> or disappointment yeah. so if um, you know, if if you're a parent and you expect your kids to to behave a certain way when you're when you're out, and they do, then it's you're not like oh yeah that's amazing. But if they don't behave, then it, it invokes a different emotion like mm. anger or, or whatever. So, you know, expectancy 
yeah, I don't know where it brings people joy. Yeah, no, I mean, like you're because you are expecting something from somebody without communicating is exactly what you're expecting. Mm. So then, because there's only so much that you can specifically say when somebody specifically get, and mm. it's that holding the love languages thing. You don't know, like you know what you would like. Mm. Not many people take the time to figure out what the other person would like. So yes, therefore, because yeah. the thing is, love languages aren't necessarily for you in the sense like you need to know what the other the person that you love likes and how and mm. they need to know what you do yeah and you need to know that yourself so that way you can kind of manage those expectations a bit better yeah. but man. i mean this i mean this all links back into empathy yeah ultimately yeah so it's uh empathy for that the other person whatever situation that they're in um, mm. and just thinking i always try and ask that what if okay, mm. what if that person's going through a b and c what would i what would i do or how about th- how would i think um you know, um, but yeah, it kind of just links back to empathy of, yeah, them, I'm losing my train of thought, but mm. them um, being in a certain situation that, that you don't know of yeah, and exactly. how that can affect you uh, yeah. in the same way, yeah. Yeah, mm. what what, uh, what are your love languages then? Seeing as we've- at the top of mine is quality time. The second one is physical touch. Yeah. Then it's words of affirmation. What are they? What are they? The- so it's those three, those words of three. affirmation, physical touch, Quality time, quality time, acts of service, and receiving gifts. Yeah, not receiving gifts. No man, that's at the bottom. For yeah, me, yeah. To be um, would you say quality service? Quality time. Oh. <laughs> quality service. Where should I hear that? Something else. So quality, like quality time, acts of service. Yeah, quality Word time, acts of service. Of yeah. Affirmation. Yeah, and physical touch. Yeah, physical touch. So yeah. which one? But basically, because they're ranked from from oh, top okay. to bottom. That's um, why I was like. What would be a top two? Yeah, the the first two that we that we just said, I'm I'm forgetting what they were. Quality, quality time, quality time, and acts, acts of service. service. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah, I think mine are. I've never actually done like the test thing, but I do that. Mine, I would off the top of my head, I'll know straight away physical touch. Mm. Um, particularly when you're with like a partner or whatever, yeah, it's yeah. like it doesn't need to be constant, but I just like that kind True. of yeah, intimacy, yeah. you know, because it's like, I don't, I don't let a lot of people in in that way. Mm. So when I do, I'm like, yes, yeah. do you know what I mean? I, yeah, that yeah. kind of thing. Um, and then now the other one would it, be yeah. probably yeah. acts of service that like people doing nice things mm. and the rest I'm just I give or take. Like, I don't need words of affirmation. I don't need gifts. I don't need, what's one I'm missing? Quality time. Quality time. So you do quality time, but I, I yeah. It's weird though because they kind of like mix because yeah. being having that physical quality touch time would be quality time, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, but some people can have quality time, but like, yeah, be so, sat at different ends of the sofa and true, like yeah. watch yeah. it. You sometimes, know, yeah, have a conversation because you know, sometimes there's intimacy of sitting in silence. With yeah, someone. oh, completely, yeah. man. And that's just it. Like okay, that's quality yeah, time. That you know what I mean? Sure. And then that's disrupted. For example, if you're with somebody, yeah. friend or partner, or whatever, and then they're on their phone, mm. or then they, they take a phone call, and then you're with them, and you're like. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. having those kind of conversations. Have you, you seen know? that meme? Um, I think I screenshotted it the other day. I've got to find it. I've got, I've got a random screenshot of you in my phone. Look. I imagine. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where that's come from. I think, I mean, you know what that is? I, I think I was listening to your story oh, earlier right. and I, oh, I pressed, pressed the things at the same time. The oh, I just noticed it. I hear it. It's that um, it's the picture of like two people on single beds, <laughs> like with a gap between the beds and they're both like holding hands yeah, and yeah. it says when you're clingy but distant and don't want to come off too strong but you need affection but you get so easily annoyed oh my god <laughs> that's, you. that's so me yeah yeah I relate but like, like I mean and I've, I've experienced this a lot in my friendships that I'm very big on um, 
I'm very big on hugging. Yeah. I'm very big on like the com- like just having conversations mm-hmm. and any opportunity just to be like, oh, let's all come together and just have Definitely. Any opportunity just to do that. When we doing games night? When we doing, you know 100%. what I mean? Like, because something's so important about like just uh, communing. Like, especially definitely like, man I think especially male friendships as well like 100% I've been, I've been saying this to my friends like a lot of our friendships and this is probably the same for you guys as well but mm. like when you when you have your friends group as teens a lot of it's based around uh, being together yeah. and competing so mm, playing yeah. games playing football like taking even the if piss it's, out of each other taking like the piss out of each other exactly yeah. yeah so it's banter but it's always like it's, it's surface level yeah, yeah like it's like you're one step above do you know what I mean and um, obviously, as you get older, that kind of dissipates mm. a bit, and then you you wonder what's missing. What's missing? With, with what's this? behind but, that? Yeah. yeah. Mm. But when you meet up, it's like boom. Yeah. Okay, there it is. Yeah. It's funny because I I find that like, I've got different groups of friends for different things. So I've got like yeah. those friends that you were talking about, where you've grown up with them, and it's like. Mm that quality time aspect comes in. It's like, I'm more than happy to go around one of their houses and just sit and watch football and yeah. not even have a conversation, but just know that we're enjoying each other's company through something that we mutually both enjoy or whatever, or like, you know, eats to get a takeaway or whatever. Mm-hmm. Then I've got other friends like, like Anton, who I will like bell up and be like, we're up to and we'll just go and hang out and we'll just right. literally have conversation after conversation. Mm. Or we can also do the thing, we just put something on TV, like we were watching some Joe Rogan, stuff at his the other day yeah. whilst we were talking about what they were talking about and you mm. know so it's like I find that there's different groups for different that tick different boxes mm. Mm. definitely I've got, yeah, I've got my core friendship and then that's just like you know chat about everything and there's like the ones that yeah you can that you meet up every so often and have those have those chats and stuff I don't yeah. know um, I, I, I do think that there there's something to be said about having those kind of conversations making sure that you're having them with with especially with, as I said, with specifically your male friends and just like figuring out because even if you are competing, if you're coming to do a games night or something, um, it's good to be in that space and kind of break for sure. Like, the, like depending on the friend, obviously, yeah, yeah. but a lot of and, times that's the gateway. Yeah, to opening up, to up that conversation, to, to opening up, <laughs> yeah. up other conversations. You know, what I mean, it's like when 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 that gateway is not open and it's just constantly back mm. and forth and whatnot. Because mm. then you people like they and they lash out and then you're like and then there's arguments and stuff yeah. but there's always a, a deeper route to where that anger's coming from because exactly. it's so surface level and when you're figuring out what's within or kind of like what's what the yeah. root cause of it is becomes so, a so here's, here's something that's quite interesting actually mm. like how how then would you so if you had a friend mm-hmm. who you thought was not in a great place mm-hmm. and they're not a friend who's likely to talk about that sort of thing like most guys probably yeah <laughs> let's be honest and how would you then go about approaching that situation or facilitating the beginning of the conversation to get them to start talking about how they feel or what's going on i i will my big thing is to create safe spaces so um if it's that context i'm just thinking about what I, what i would do i'd just yeah. probably like isolate that person in the sense that i would say all right let's go out for a drink and talk about this stuff and people know me that I'm going to sit down I'm going to be like okay so what's going on like right, exactly. we yeah. like you know here to help sort of thing um, sometimes it may require more than one of your friends to kind of like help kind of navigate that conversation mm. um, but then you start asking like you start asking you start asking the not too probing obviously depending on how sensitive it is but you you start to ask you start to like you know share because the thing about 
obviously the thing about friendship is that you kind of have to be vulnerable yourself in order to kind of receive vulnerability. Yeah. So you then have to, you, you share, you share. I mean, the more you share, and then once you're in a realm of trust as well, then you start to have these conversations. It's, it's just creating the safe space to do it. Mm. Completely, from, man. From me. No, I completely agree. Exactly the same thing. Mm. Um, and, you know, if someone you know really well, you might, if it's in your friends group, you might know that uh, one of your friends might be the better person to open up that conversation first, mm. you know. And if, if everybody's uh, identified that there's an, an, an issue that this person's struggling with, but it's like you said, it's, it's unlikely that they're going to open up, then you kind of do have to have a, a strategy about it. But it does come down to it being um, a safe place. Yeah. And it's, it's harder nowadays because a lot of our friendship groups have reduced to literally WhatsApp groups yeah. or, or whatever. So and time, yeah. Yeah, so super, super surface level. And, you know, anyone could say, yeah, yeah, I'm doing good, whatever. But, mm. you know, you do need to try and just get into a, f like physically mm. together because that's where things tend to come out, especially if you've, you're creating a safe mm. space. And yeah. You know, it's important also just to make sure that they, people know that you're genuinely there. Mm. There's nothing wrong with a, with a check-in. Sometimes you're not the person that they want to speak to. Sometimes mm. that's just it, like, mm. and that has to be fine. But there's nothing wrong with you checking in to be like, hey, no, you're not doing too good. No, you're not X, Y, and Z. I'm here. Hope you're doing all right. It's, that's all it takes. Just yeah. a little message, little voice note sometimes yeah. to, hear, to hear you're sincere. And, um, and that's it. Yeah. Like, I think we, we build up a lot in our minds to, to get to those stages so yeah and also I think it's a like for me I found it's an understanding of you can create the safe space and you can try and facilitate all of the stuff that you guys have just said but ultimately it, it has to come from a place when the person feels like Absolutely. they're comfortable definitely within themselves to talk about because yeah. I know like me personally like I took years to even even after I'd figured out what was going on Mm. I took a good maybe two, three years to even like talk to my friends about it. Mm. And that came <laughs> weirdly when we were on the way to a football match. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. We were on the way to go and watch Arsenal and we were gone for a drink before the game. And I can't even remember how the conversation came up and I just poured everything out. Like, this is what I've been going through. This wow. is how I was feeling. Amazing. And they were all just like, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. And yeah. it wasn't like super deep. I was just being like, you know, talking like we're talking now, but mm. I think it's like, you grow up in a certain circle yeah. or a certain thing and you don't expect that conversation yeah, to come exactly. up over a beer while you're on the way to the football kind yeah. of thing. It's finding the language to say it, to yeah. say these things. Mm. You know I mean, like articulating your thoughts. Sometimes, sometimes the fear of like, just like throwing stuff out and not kind of like having a, a like, a clear understanding of what you're actually saying is a bit, yeah. is a bit like That's stifling. Well, yeah, trying to articulate it. And yeah. then if, you, if you're not a person that's uh, like openly sharing, How's that going to be received? Because mm. usually, I mean, growing up as a, as a male, um, you know, being emotional, there's a lot of shame and guilt mm. around that. So of vulnerability is, is deemed as a weakness, isn't it? So mm. the, <laughs> among like going through that whole process, once you've found the courage to do it, and it's like, oh, crap, this is what I'm actually up against as well. Mm. Um, but I mean, nine times out of 10, you're going to be received with love. Yeah. especially if it's with with people that you love yeah. on that on emotions and men and the rest of it when was the last time you both cried hmm. good question around two weeks ago <laughs> sorry sorry <laughs> how long ago were you married 
uh, eleven months ago. Ah, okay. Well, that's the oh, that's yeah. that's the last time I'm remembering. Yeah, maybe. I in between. I definitely cried when Tony Morrison died. Yeah, that was something. That was that was hard hitting. But um, yeah, man, like cry often. Yeah, <laughs> like because yeah, yeah. just because sometimes it's it is a healthy thing. Um, just to kind of like get that release out, but especially when you're going through like emotional, emotionally intense stuff, mm. like and it, and it might be the way that it manifests in coming out. So then you just have to just cry it out sometimes. That's it, man. And that's it. Like and then once you, once you're done, you're like, okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> ready for the next thing. It wears yeah. me out, but yeah. it's what it is. Yeah. What is the reason for it? Isn't yeah. It? Yeah. The reason why yeah. that's a, an outlet. Yeah. But also like we cry of laughter. Yeah, cry of happiness. Yeah, exactly. Stuff. Exactly. Um, yeah, I have to be deeply moved. Mm, deeply yeah. moved sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm struggling to remember, but definitely my my wedding. Yeah, and that was a. So I'm, I'm like, I kind of I can't remember the last time I cried out of pure sadness, mm. but I quite often in terms of like being moved by something, and it doesn't take a lot for me either. Yeah. So mm. I could be watching a David Attenborough documentary. And it's yeah. like my eyes will go, or sometimes mm. during these interviews, like my eyes will go, yeah. or yeah. sometimes um, I was watching something on my phone, on I saw a video on Twitter, which was like the most stupid thing ever. It was about a woman. <laughs> you're gonna laugh so much. It was about a woman who supports Arsenal, lives in America, and had never seen them play live, and she got oh. to see them play live when they went to America, and her husband had recorded or her boyfriend whoever had recorded her reaction and she mm. was getting all emotional yes. and it just set me off and yeah. I was just like I was literally watching it crying oh my I was God. Like, and that was literally the other day yeah. um, that's empathy though bro. yeah it's that's empathy of course empathy. yeah I'm, hi- I'm highly empathetic to things mm. like that even like you know if you watch like um, something like Britain's Got Talent or X Fact or one of those like talent shows and yeah. they, they do the whole emotion yeah, play on the, the emotions emotion of the sub story like he will get me every time Yeah, they've got that down to a science yeah, though oh my time. days the production that is insane yeah. like the, where they place the music yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the key changes and stuff is just crazy yeah, it, it gives you yeah. like you're not even interested and you still get goosebumps yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this is kind of the thing like because there's um, I'm a highly sensitive person that's the kind of category that they put you in so you, f- you feel things quite intensely yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. when I was in um, I worked in when I worked in news and when you're constantly covering a murder, yeah, a yeah. kidnapping, something, something terrible, <laughs> nearly all the time, there's a war, there's something going on. Um, and it's like, I was, my emotions were constantly like at play. Like I was just yeah, like, yeah. wow, like I can't, I'd get so caught up in it that I would, it kind of inhibit me from doing the actual job. You mm. see what I mean? So even like, what, even watching the news, I kind of like take a step back from watching it too often and yeah, kind of following it too often. Cause it really, Sometimes they really like it. Really, it pulls at me, and yeah, um, yeah and I, I, I really have to withdraw sometimes because yeah, I sure, kind man. of like stick with stories that they are they are moving, um, but at the same time, you know that it's not constantly thrown at you every single night, every single day. Because I know people that like people that work on the news desks, typically in journalism, they they love it. They consume the trauma yeah. all the time, and I'm just and they can kind of like create those barriers and boundaries. And I just really couldn't. I was proper just. <laughs> I was a wreck all the time. Yeah, man, I can, I can definitely relate to that. It's, mm. a, it's all about like yeah. your inputs and outputs. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Yeah. But I mean, we've got so many inputs and so many things that we're uh, looking at, listening to, um, breathing in, um, mm. you know, looking on our phones and stuff. And all the time, those things are like chip away, yeah. especially if you're like, like you said, a highly sensitive person yeah. or, or empathetic person and you wouldn't even realise when it's really yeah. hit you and it's mm. like oh crap like 
it feel like it feels like a bus has hit me. Yeah. But I don't even know where this has come from. But it's just this like drip drip effect. Mm. Yeah. And it's also I find that like, it depends on the state that you're kind of coming from at the time. So like, I while I was away recently, I started writing like long term project, writing about my journey. So I was mm. kind of like recapping in depth about the stuff that I went through like years ago, like the depression and anxiety, and kind of putting myself back in that place mentally to try and re-feel it and re relive it. It's, it's hard, it's very tough. So like mm. my emotional state during those few days was really like, mm. it was almost back in that place. It was wow. weird. It was, it was like, me and Anton were talking about the other day, it's a bit like method acting, you know, putting yourself in that mindset and it was kind of brought up all those emotions and those feelings again. So the reason I'm saying that is because I then had a, a heart to heart with someone and I, I was just crying the whole time. And I was mm. just like, in my head, a part of me was like, I know I'm crying because I'm in this highly emotional state, but also I know I'm crying because I really care about this person. We're having a heart to heart, but then it wasn't anything necessarily bad. Mm. And then literally like two, three days later, we, we had like a very similar conversation and I was totally fine because mm. I wasn't in that weird state. So I think sometimes it does depend on the emotional state you're in anyway, in terms of like how, how much mm. it, pl it plays on you completely. and pulls at those strings, yeah. you know? Completely. Yeah. That kind of links back to what you were saying about um, like when to check up on friends and stuff, yeah. because, um, where all people and I, I was I messaged you the other day to see if you was experiencing the same thing. But mm. where we're like um all podcasters and all people that try and help others um within your within your mini community, you, you you're probably the person that people go to when they need to, to, to speak and open up. Um, but they not necessarily open up with uh, the people that they need to for this specific situation. Mm. But um when you're in a when you in particular or you in particular are in that emotional state where you need help i think it's important to remember and me um how that feels at a time because mm. for me i don't want to speak to anyone do you know what i mean and if someone reached out yeah. and said oh yeah oh you're you're seeming a bit weird at the moment that would trigger me further do you know what i mean yeah. so i try and i recently i just tried to be mindful of that because it doesn't happen often i have to remember that um other people do you know they live within that state more yeah. often than I am. And, and I don't always want to be that I'm coming from a different place. Oh, let me help you up kind of thing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. sometimes, like you said, the person needs to emerge yeah. when they're ready. Yeah. yeah. Therapy helps. Yeah. Yes. Therapy definitely helps. And um, you will leave there triggered every single time. <laughs> it's fine. I remember the first time, I remember the first time um, I went in and then she was like, so... When you leave this room, um, it might not happen half an hour after. It might happen an hour after. But this week, at some point, all the stuff that we've spoken about is going to come back and hit you. <laughs> so, so just be mindful of that. I was like, ah, whatever. Mm. Went there on a Wednesday. Was a wreck by Friday. Just like, oh my God. Like, I, like all the stuff that you don't necessarily remember or the kind of things that you have to unpack and whatnot. Mm. But um, that's one of those things of like, you know, actual kind of, who are you going to if you don't necessarily have the yeah. the people yes. there? Because like, I mean, I've got an amazing group of friends who I can, who we, we all can lean on each other for these kind of things. But there's only so far that you should expect your friends to help you yes. and your family to help you. You should like. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to have an objective opinion absolutely and yeah. they will prod you and poke you further than your friends and family ever would because they are paid professionals yeah definitely and then definitely. 50, 55 and minutes yeah, yeah. How, how do you deal with those moments then when you have been to like a therapy session mm -hmm. and then like two three days later you're like 
Is that what I was saying about yeah. you almost back in that place yeah, where you didn't yeah. even really, like you'd thought you'd, yeah. you like, know, it's like that method acting thing again. Yeah, yeah. Like being back in that place kinda, and going through it again. Yeah, I kind of end up just like, um, what's the word? Debriefing. I kind of end up debriefing with my friends and being like, whew, okay, so this week of therapy, it was like X, Y, and Z. And it, it feels good to kind of like, you know, have kind of like solidified some of my thoughts and thinking. Because therapy like it tends to be a process like you probably will cover a particular topic for like four weeks four or five mm. weeks or four or five sessions however often you do it but um once you get once you kind of like get past and you start seeing the breakdown in the change in the way that you interact with x and y person or x and y topic then you can then it's like some it's easier to start talking about those things to people because then you can start becoming more comfortable and safe in there in what in whatever the issue was because mm, yeah, sometimes yeah. it's not like like Obviously, they ask probing questions, like, "How do you feel about that? What was that like?" Mm. And then you just, and then you know, and then you, then they just look at you and just wait for there to be an answer. Sometimes yeah. there'll be silence for at least thirty seconds, which feels yeah. like five minutes. Yeah, of like, course. Right, so I have to answer there. I've just realised um, I do that on, the, on here when I'm interviewing someone. I'm like, "So how did that feel?" And they're yeah. like, "What? <laughs> yeah. How did it feel?" Yeah, because yeah, a lot people, of times it's the first time you're verbalising. Yeah, it. and these are genuine yeah. questions. Yeah. Are, and these are these are questions that should be normal. Like, so how do you feel about that? And if you, but then it's about articulating exactly what that feels like, as you said, like once you verbalize that, oh, I'm angry. Okay, where's the anger coming from? Mm. Then you start to interrogate that. Yeah. And, that, and it might not even be the thing that you went in there to talk about. And then you end up somewhere so far left. You're like, wow, that's yeah. that shit what happened when I was five. I didn't really know that. Mm-hmm. Like, could it, you know what I'm saying? All yeah, that yeah. stuff. So, um, but yeah, th- th- taking the time out like after the sessions just to, debrief with yourself sometimes it's good to like for me I just journal and just kind of like get my get my thoughts together uh, sometimes it's good to like just chat about it um, yeah. and be excited about it like because it's a it's a new it's a new wave of like you know addressing some of yeah, these issues yeah, sure. you know what do I mean? you find then that you you almost uh, what am I trying to say is like through going so like you mentioned something about I don't know whether you how serious you were but like saying yeah. oh that happened when I was five oh, yeah. or whatever yeah. like just as an example mm-hmm. like do you find then that you start to almost reconceptualize that thing with newfound kind of you've got all, so many more years experience yeah. on top of it you can look at it in a in a totally different way and sort of be like oh okay actually maybe that was yeah wasn't that bad or that yeah. was because of that instead yeah. of yeah. At the time, it would have been a totally different reaction or feeling. Yeah, it's not, a lot of the time for me, it was like, okay, you are you you can accept your feelings. You're allowed to feel that way about it. Like you know, when most children are young, that their parents aren't a apologizing to them, b doing anything. But then, I'm the kind of person I like to see from all sides mm. sort of stuff. But I have to accept how I felt about the situation. If I was angry about that situation, I have to accept that I was, mm. and it upset me and traumatized me, whatever. Yeah. But also, I then have to look at the parent or the person that was doing that and think, with again, with empathy and be like, okay, so what were they going through yeah, in order yeah. for them to kind of relay that? Yeah. And remember, energy is transference. So who knows what was transferred to them? And a lot of time, you then kind of project it onto an innocent child who, or young person or whatever who can't necessarily defend themselves in the same way or, you know, talk back, especially when you grow up in a... African Caribbean community talking back to your elders is a bit, you know, it's taboo. It's no, no. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's taboo. So, but also never hearing a parent say they're sorry about something, mm-hmm. never hearing them humanize themselves because, you know, like I think a lot of people grow up and they realize that, say, 
their parent is not is then human and then all then the kind of the superhero thing kind of comes down and they, they are yeah. this human with all these flaws and that's when all these things start to this all these things start to kind of flesh out mm. um but yeah so dealing with all of that and processing it and then realizing the the nature of human relationships and how you feel in those situations is important and not a lot of people not a lot of men address those mm. they just kind of move through life like avoiding mm. it and be and like and being ignorant about it. why why do you think you sure? do that i think we f- we follow the models of of what we've seen and um particularly from like immigrant families or like first generation second generation in i mean i'm only speaking from our experience in in london um parents have either come over or, or been born here and you know the one objective is to survive survive you know mm. um and when you look when you look back through your life um and there's certain elements of it that you may have put like you said perceived as like um trauma mm-hmm. at that time it's probably your parent was just trying to do in fact not trying but they were doing their best yeah mm-hmm. at the time like it's like it's funny it's only now when i've become like the age i am and i'm like the age i am right now my dad had six children <laughs> i've got none I'm like, how the hell did you even <laughs> do that? And yeah. so with your with the like the experience that you had through life and you're you're raising six kids. So my my whole life has been based off of, you know, um the experiences that my mum and dad have had, you know. And, and that that's been amazing. Um but at the same time, you know, there are things that happen in your life where you add meaning as a child and um but as an adult, you look back, you're like, oh, well, it was just something that was said or it didn't mean what mm. you thought it meant. But because you've carried that bit of luggage with you for like 20 yeah. years, mm. it means it, it, it's always going to be there, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's where therapy really yeah. helps and having that um, unbiased mm. voice. Non-judgmental. Uh, non, non for sure, yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure. I haven't had like therapy in that, in that sense, but I've definitely, I've got a, a, a coach mm. um, who I met at... Um, I think called landmark education. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so I did that when I was seventeen. Wow. Yeah, yeah I did it when seven. I'm thirty four now. So li- wow, literally seventeen <laughs> years ago. So half my life. Mm-hmm. And um, so through that is very much the same kind of um, philosophy, mm-hmm. um, and that's that whole you know things happen when you're a kid, and um, because of that you add meaning. So for example, uh, something happens and that means I'm not good enough. So therefore I carry this, I'm not good enough into every mm. part of my life and through life. And the, the, the longer I take it with me, the bigger it gets. Yeah. Mm. Um, but thankfully I, I met a, a coach and a really good friend of, of mine um, who's he's always like my, kind of like my, my therapist in a, in a way, he wouldn't like to be called that. Mm. <laughs> but again, it's that person that is kind of connected, but, uh, far apart enough to look at your life from a bird's eye view, yeah, and just call you out on on stuff, or just say things or plant plant seeds, like you said. So like three mm. days later, you're like, oh, yeah, mm. <laughs> or like if okay, you say you are authentic, so why are you doing this in this area of your life? I remember this happened once, and I was I was like, well, um, you know, I'm 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 saying I'm a because you have to make them affirmations and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I'm saying I'm a, for example, powerful person. Um, but I don't want to be, I'm saying I'm a confident person, but I don't want to have this conversation 
yeah. in this area. But every everywhere else, I'm I'm confident, and I choose to be that. I was like, well, you're not then. You're yeah. not confident unless you are confident. You know. So it's, yeah, it's just having that outside voice that really like makes you like stand up and take notice, mm. and um, yeah, just helps you see your life through for a different point of view. It's really really helpful. Well, I was gonna ask you, how how would you suggest other people approach um, therapy, like? Because that's not really a, a conversation that people mm. have. Because people might be um, intrigued about it, but where do they go? Mm. Like, what's the like the realistic side of it? Um, several things. And how did you find your therapist? Yeah, how, how did I find my therapist? Mm. So my friend at the time said uh, was going through therapy, and she was basically like, "Look, I think you could benefit from it. Going through some in deep, intense stuff." Mm. Um, so yeah, and that just took me like months months to kind of like get myself together to then start emailing out to these therapists but I went to the Black and Asian Therapist Network um, barton.org and um, yeah that was uh, that was good because then it has a directory and I'm based upon region in the UK and obviously you can pick a therapist it's for diverse uh, clients mm. um, so they're there with different specialisms as well um, so there's that uh, there's frontline therapy as well. They basically um, have affordable therapists for uh, ther- uh, affordable therapy uh, for their clients. Um, so that's and those are good spaces. And you know, once you start delving into looking for these for these therapists, you treat it like you would treat any kind of specialist. Right. If you have a back issue, yeah, you go to look for a chiropractor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you know, what I mean. If you have, you know, particular eating disorders, you go to a nutritionist or a right. dietitian. You have deep emotional, mental, like strains. You mm-hmm. go to a therapist. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it it should be that kind of like train of thought Absolutely. when you start to look. Um, the NHS do, you know, they do their in-house therapy. I mean, it's you know oversubscribed and they have a loads of a long waiting list. Sure. But if you can, if you if you can wait, um, your council does does these things too. Like I remember when I first started embarking on it, um, my council told me to go to a stress group, a stress management group. And I was like, that's not kind of Hmm. what I wanted. I just, I need a one-on-one conversation with someone. Mm. Um, So I had to then figure out, I need to invest some money into this. I need to put some money aside to say, all right, I want to do, you know, they they advise that you do around six sessions kind of consecutively um, weekly just to get used to the therapeutic process and stuff um but yeah like i would say just there's all those routes um google just like literally therapists in my area counseling in my area and then figure and then kind of figure it out but if you i think most therapy between and then frontline therapy is between 20 and 30 pounds an hour um which is actually pretty like affordable for some people um they use um uh train trainee counselors at the, at the time mm. um, but but then I think that the going rate is from like £45 to around 65 Okay, so it's about figuring out what your budget is I mean there are kind of like payment plans that you can set up with your therapist your individual one mm-hmm. you know so there's so many options it's weird though because so like I know people would be but that was super helpful by the way no, um, I know people would be like oh what £45 like £60 like allow it because we're so used to just like brushing things under the carpet. Yeah. But it's, again, it's like one of those things, once you do it, you realise the weight that it takes mm. off of your, your shoulders, man. Absolutely. And how much joy and peace 
Yeah, man. It's mm. really helped me with uh, communicating. Mm. Um, and then, again, having a conversation with my friends and then learning how to communicate, you know, setting up boundaries. And I think boundaries is becoming this really weird buzzword lately that everyone is kind of like, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. I'm setting up yeah. my boundaries. Don't cross them. Don't push them. <laughs> All that stuff. Everyone's setting up those kind of things. But um, I think they're so important. Yeah. You know, like, and you have to have them with your family. You have mm. to have them with your friends. You have to have them within your romantic relationships too. Yeah. You have to have them. Yeah. Because... It's not just having them, you have to know what they are yeah, as well. You know what they and are. That, and that's mm. the first bit, isn't it? Yeah. It's like recognising it for yourself. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah, otherwise, yeah. you could be doing the, the, yeah. the wrong thing. If you, you could be setting up a boundary to not protect yourself, yeah. but to hide yourself. There we go. That's a wall. Yeah. That's a barrier. Yeah. So there's a difference. You got to figure out what the difference between your barriers are and your boundaries, mm. and that's um, that's some, again that's a process that you have to learn. But then that that depends on the person. For me, that was what I was I had to learn. I had to learn what the barriers were and what the boundaries mm. were, um, and that's kind of yeah, that was the important thing. But um, yeah, other people go through trust issues and to figure out what why they don't trust people and stuff. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like it's just yeah, a, for sure. I definitely went for a no new friends phase, like. A, a Drake yeah. moment, but it was yeah. good. Like, I mean, but I had to figure out what that was and why. And then once I did, I was like, oh, okay. Now I can be open to making more and more friends mm. again, you know? Yeah, you're definitely making me think. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, in, you know, communication is so is just so, so important. Like, it's why so many relationships fail. It's why so many things happen day to day. Like, I'm by no means perfect, but... And trying mm-hmm. I'll go through old I'll go through old WhatsApp conversations that I had with like friends I no longer talk to or whatever and I'm just like Alex man what were you doing mm. like you did not need to respond like that at all like you know what I mean yeah. you could have been a, you could have been a lot clearer in what yeah. you're saying in a, in a way that wasn't so like yeah. razor sharp this yeah. is why I took this is why I took a step back from Twitter yeah as well because Twitter makes you Reactive. reactive. Reac- very reactive, yeah. And it's all about getting the retweets and getting these quick, sharp moments and uh, getting but these jabs at people. And that, that's what social media is in general, really. Yeah. It's, isn't it? It's, it's, it's hunting for likes, hunting for validation from people who you don't yeah. even really know. But, uh, yeah, but Twitter's like a battlefield, though. Yeah, Twitter's it's a, yeah, yeah, it's like, major. Like some, somebody <laughs> tweets something, they quote tweet it with a snarky comment that everybody laughs at behind the screen and then it shares yeah. it into their WhatsApp groups yeah, or whatever. Exactly. But it's, again, it's like what we were saying before about having that banter in between <coughs> friends and it's like, mm. you're just everyone's just cussing each other mm. in hopes of getting the biggest laugh. Yeah. yeah. And Twitter's like that constantly. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? But I kind of imagine it like a, a massive room with all these different groups <laughs> of, of, of Every, people. Everybody's shouting. Everyone's shouting and then like you're in your group. Yeah. Like Arsenal Twitter, for example, and then so Arsenal Twitter is talking about Arsenal Football stuff. Twitter, yeah, it looks, it's, so we're like we're talking about Arsenal stuff all day, and then you hear um, something from the Brexit group, and you're like, "What did you say?" <laughs> like, but you're on Arsenal Twitter, so you've now joined that conversation, yeah. and then you're shouting at this person, they're shouting back at you, blah blah blah, and it just keeps on going round yeah. and round and round. I mean, I like, I'm addicted to Twitter, yeah, mm, but it, it definitely it definitely has its um its drawbacks. Yeah, I can't stay on anything too long. Mm. Like, sometimes I get sucked I into Instagram, but Instagram's the worst. You know what? Depend. Like it's the best and the worst. We 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 hmm. we curate the spaces we want to kind of navigate. Well, I guess I don't have the Twitter app. I deleted that. Yeah, nice. I, I go onto like I only I sometimes forget I have it. Mm. Sometimes someone will send me a tweet and be like, "I oh, look at this tweet," so I click it and then I'm like, "Oh shit!" It's my Twitter account. I'm still yeah. signed in, and then I have notifications. Yeah. I'm like, "What?" 
But um, yeah, I forget I have it. I mean, my only thing, I, I like Instagram because I'm a visual learner. Mm, same. Um, I unfollowed a trunk load of things that was just causing me dis- distress. Like, you know, videos that I didn't need to see. Mm. Um, you know, just people shouting and stuff. I, if I need that, I go to my Discover page. And right, right. I, exactly. I, I, I consume that <laughs> content. But on my actual feed, nah, you know, get Alex's quotes. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, I see cool videos. <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, yeah, I like that. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a slice of life. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just it nice. I don't yeah. need, I don't I've need too much. To like, if I've noticed there's something in my feed, yeah. when I see it, it doesn't give me a good feeling, I unfollow them. There we go. It doesn't, I don't care who they are. I have, if, I, if I've noticed I keep getting a similar feeling, mm. I'm just like, you're yeah, gone. That's it. You're yeah, gone from my feed. Yeah, I don't want it. it. You've got to question that. I'm, I'm a huge fan of like muting posts oh, and yeah, stories. Yeah, 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 definitely. I love that feature. Oh, yeah, mute's brilliant. Mute, mute posts and stories. I'm like, <laughs> yes. Yeah, because you curate your feed. It's, it's a weird one as well, like, because Instagram's not just like podcasts, it's not just um, dope stuff that you're following or sports everything. or anything. It's literally the it's whole everything. internet. Mm. It's the whole internet in one app. But with that, it's so, uh, there's so much expectancy with yeah. it. Because yeah. even like with, because um, there's so many people on it, like including families and friends, fa- family and friends, and also like older um, relatives Instagram. and things like that on Instagram mm. now. Because it's yeah, becoming a bit like Facebook. Well, and there's a level of expectancy that you get from different groups of people, you know, um, that I know that people are kind of struggling with. Um, some people just like delete the whole thing because mm. it's just, just too much to deal with. You know what I mean? But um, it's a lot of things we're juggling, man, in mm. life. Like, back in the 70s or 80s, you didn't really have to see? Deal, so with, sometimes, deal with that much. Yeah, sometimes I wish, like, I, I wish, I wish. Sometimes I consider or think what it would have been like if we w- we were this age, but like it'd be 95. Mm. And we were doing the same, we wouldn't be really doing the same things, but we yeah. were kind of like in the same space. I feel like music would be better. Music, <laughs> music's still good. You know, we need to figure out, we need to maintain that. But um, it's like sometimes I think, oh, it must have been just much simpler. Like, yeah. I mean, nice. yeah, because I feel like I, yeah, I remember just maybe like when I was younger, literally just being in my room and reading, and I'm not having mm. to worry about my phone or what was going on there or you know what I mean or yeah. I mean the most I had at that time probably was like MySpace or something yeah. going on MySpace was like oh this is really cool but yeah but you know what I've always uh, it's always baffled me a little bit but I mean I lived it but I still just like I don't know how we lived it was like making plans like how, sick like how like, how? like be there, at this there, place yeah. at this time but it and was, that's it there must be so, like especially like when our parents were growing up for example there must have been such a level of trust yeah yeah. or and there, I guess there was a lot of like not youth clubs but like community things yeah community things where yeah, it's like you know I'm like a, that's a very good point like a the, like the village a monthly type. disco t- or yeah. whatever do you know what I mean it's like you yeah. just knew everyone was yeah. going to be there and that the would be the communities the communities are strong yeah, yeah. Commu- definitely definitely yeah. youth clubs 100% played a massive factor in that and, mm. and that comes down to uh, probably don't want to go down the whole knife crime and stuff route but mm. I believe in terms of like what we're talking about with friends in terms of like mm. just meeting up physically yeah. even if you don't know each other mm-hmm. if you've had a physical interaction with someone you've there's there's a level of empathy built with that person mm. or even if I even if I've not spoken to you but I know that you are cousins with my man yeah. over there and he's friends with my my brother's older whatever if there's an altercation, it's going to make you think twice. You're like, oh, crap. Yeah, yeah. 
because you know you know that person that person knows that person but now everything's just so separate there's no interaction mm. in my in my opinion that's why there's so much um yeah. Which is, uh, conflict mm. we're so disconnected man mm. also disconnected we're, like, so, we're so connected but we're so disconnected yeah we create yeah we create a false idea of what connection is yeah definitely um and that's why i kind of like i do limit the amount of things that I like consume on the internet and like with like I do I do value like you know Instagram friendships or whatever like social media friends I do value them a lot but I don't but this is why I couldn't really be on Twitter because I do, couldn't really get so invested in that space when mm. I know that I have a I have WhatsApp where people like you know me or have my number right. we can talk on there mm. you see what I mean and you can kind of like get your point across with people that genuinely want to listen to you because that's just the space for you to do that yeah um, yeah you're not trying to impress yeah. you're not trying to man. Yeah. But, um you know with the whole how do you make plans my uncle used to tell me like they used to, he went to the phone box he would say and he'd probably call and be like all right meet at the post office at 7 30 they're like yeah, yeah yeah cool they'll be there and if they weren't there by 7 30 then you're then you're going That's to the, they, they know where you're you know that they're going to the thing and yeah. you'll see them there or whatever yeah, or man. someone will send someone to say something do you see what i mean um and again simpler times man yeah simpler times simpler man. times the days must have been longer yeah everything yeah, must right. have been the thing is like there's there's the other thing is that we used to get bored like, the, but there's a joy in boredom yeah. because that's where Breeds imagination creativity, yeah. and creativity yeah, comes yeah. out. That's why there was so much oh, great stuff man. back then, you know. And even like just experiencing like a game, for example, like uh, when, a, when a game will come out, yeah. um, there wasn't much resources. There was only magazines or adverts on TV. Yeah. So when you got it, you're like, oh my days. Yeah. Because I haven't seen the trailer. I haven't seen the walkthrough. I haven't seen a reaction video. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So... We get given so much. Yeah. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I'm just so glad yeah, I was born in an era. Even like, so one of the things I have, I find really hard is like, and it sounds really stupid, is like, you know, so using Top Boy as an example, which obviously came out recently on Netflix, mm. it took me so long to watch it because I've got like a commitment issue when it comes to like, you've given me all 10 episodes at once. Oh, right. I, feel, I feel like I have to commit to that 10 hours. <laughs> Whereas like if something comes out weekly and it's kind of, drip fed and it's a slower mm. process it's like i feel like it's yeah. easier for me to commit to like that one episode a yeah. week because oh, okay. when it's the full 10 you feel like you have to watch it because you know that everyone else is going to watch exactly, it exactly and you're yeah. going to miss out on those conversations so going back to what you were saying mm. where it's like you got the game you hadn't played the game you hadn't heard about it you'd only read like something about it, a review in a magazine mm. that's all you had is now we get like everything at once and yeah. everyone's talking about it and you, you kind of you get sucked into this like mm. cultural like bubbling pot of everything yeah. and you don't actually get a chance to just like enjoy things when and how and why yeah, you want to you know what I just I just missed the 3310 <laughs> yeah, I literally I literally missed the, the, the 3310 man I bad boyfriend <laughs> you know what I mean and like just sending a text message and then hoping to get a response yeah, yeah. <laughs> none of this or, none of this typing yeah, or, blue, or blue tick stuff or but, say, but you're, oh, you're writing writing a, a th- because this is when you had to mind your texts as well like yeah. writing a three page long text yeah. or three yeah. texts and yeah. then deleting it by accident oh my god yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so talking of simpler things and simpler times and mm-hmm. um, I know Alex obviously you're a big book person yeah like the book person <laughs> and Ryan I know you're pretty well read as well what uh two books that have really impacted your lives oh so, so <laughs> um, impacted my life yeah like either from Alex. like a creative perspective or like 
something inspirational or I, I can think a of, positive thing or just made you think differently about something? First one for me would be Conversations with God by yeah. Neil Donald Walsh. Oh, Oof. oh, I've got that on my wish list, man. Read it tonight. <laughs> uh, honestly, that, when <laughs> um, my mum gave me that when I was 16 and completely changed my life. Like, mm. read it, worked like, I've never been consumed by a book that much because I was always very curious about different ways of thinking of, of things. And this is, a, a, grew up Christian and this is a way of looking mm -hmm. at that uh, from a different viewpoint. And it just blew my mind. And a lot of it um, is like just modern day uh, philosophy, like what what people would deem like being spiritual yeah. now. Um, a, lot of, a lot of the way I've like, Honestly, like my operating system, I think has come from, or at least started from that book. Yeah. And then where I've led, where it's led to like landmark education and everything that I've read and done since then has come from, from that book. So that's absolutely been, um, been life-changing for me. Sick. Um, the second one would be The Alchemist. Alchemist, yeah. Um, by Paolo Coelho. That's probably my favorite book of yeah. all time, just because I'm a massive believer in, you know, having having your dream and following your journey. Um, and I can't think of a book that describes that so perfectly. Yeah. Um, and everything that comes with it. I mean, I won't spoil it, but definitely read that. Those, those yeah. two books have really shaped me. What's the biggest takeaway you took from the Alchemist? Biggest takeaway I've taken from the Alchemist is the, the, the dream can send you on the wildest adventure mm. but what you were looking for may be where where you were mm. where you are and that's mind-boggling yeah but sometimes it's you know it takes that going around yeah. the world to find out where you are was was where you actually wanted to be mm. sick yeah <laughs> good book so i was just finding an author but yeah so one of the I'll say the two that kind of really shaped me. Um, I, in my final year of uni, uh, I read On the Shortness of Life by Seneca. Mm. Now- That's a tough one, man. That book, yeah, like it just, um, even Plato's Symposium, but yeah, like on, a, on, the, uh, on the brevity of now, the shortness of life, that was, um, it kind of like introduced me to you know, that whole life is too short kind of phrase. And then you just kind of start to think about um, little things that you should be doing to kind of um, make the most out of the time we have here. Yeah. Um, and we get so consumed in what we haven't, like what we haven't done and like, you know, and we get overwhelmed in that sense. But, you know, there's other things that we need to kind of like, you know, we, we should be out there living life. And then when we look around the world, and uh, all these kind of man-made restrictions that we've that we've put in onto ourselves, these mental blocks that we're giving ourselves, yeah. all of that stuff. Um, it was just a nice way. It was a nice little meditation to kind of think, right? Life is short. Is um, how can I be the best, and how can I do the best uh, possible thing to make to make my life as fulfilling yeah. and as um, abundant mm. as I possibly can. And, and that was really good. And that was similar with the with Plato's Symposium, which was talking about love and the the different facets and avenues of love um, that kind of does feed into that, you know, that, the best parts of life. You know, like as humans, we're out there trying to 
love more, trying to learn more, mm. trying to be the best possible person that we can be and the kind of contributions we can give back to one another mm. in that sense. So there's, um, but the second one was um, The Prophet by Gilil Gibran. Khalil Gibran. So I first came across The uh, the Prophet from the Boondocks episode. Um, yeah. Did you guys watch The Boondocks? I didn't watch, I mean, I've seen some of them, but. You didn't know. watch them. Um, you know the concept of them? You know the concept yeah, of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I think there was a scene you where explain the concept then, okay, okay so um, <laughs> um, Huey and Riley uh, our brothers they go and live um, with their granddad played by John Witherspoon rest in peace um, and they go to the the suburbs they're from Chicago and they, they go to the suburbs and it's about dealing with everyday microaggressions and racial tensions and stuff and the stuff that they would experience in the the sub like the suburbs, but they are so woke as kids, and they're so starkly different. So, you know, Huey's like woke and kind of like very mindful, very political, and then Riley's just like this young wannabe thug gangster, and then Granddad's like the old school Granddad. Um, and there's a scene he was it must have been at a funeral, and there was chaos. Um, granddad's friend's funeral or something, and. In order to calm things down, because Riley tends to, Riley Huey tends to stop people, like because he says something deep, and everybody has to listen. And they're like, "Wow!" But um, he must have said something. Like I think mean, Granda must be like, "Like Huey, say something deep," like to kind of like stop the tension. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he must have recited because um, the way the prophet is split up, it's a prophet comes to town and he and he talks on particular things on beauty, on life, oh. on um, mm. on on pain, and Riley recites. Um, I think the first paragraph of on pain and like pain is the breaking of your shell that encloses your understanding and all this. And I was like, wow, let me go and read this book. Mm. And that's when I, and that's when I went in to read it. And it's an amazing conversation. Like the prophet coming over and talking to the people and just kind yeah. of like giving his little, um, slices of life to them and like his mindset. And, um, yeah, very amazing book. Mm. Like some amazing nuggets that touch you in different ways every time you read it. Um, I'd say yeah, that would that's a good book. Add that to my list, man. Yeah, yeah sounds sick. Yeah. The Prophet is amazing. Yeah, and the um, Seneca one I've wanted to. It's on my list. It's just Seneca's good. Needs to get round to it. Yeah, yeah. I've, I think I've tried. Them classics are interesting. Yeah. I might have to look for the audio book version. Yeah. <laughs> have, have you guys ever Tim read? Put out the audio book version. Of Pardon? That. I think Tim Ferriss put out the audio book version of that actually. Okay. Seneca, yeah. Yeah, okay. he always talks about Seneca a lot. Yeah. That's where I've got a lot of, that's what I think I got the list from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some various stuff. Um, I was going to say, have you guys ever read any Krishnamurti? No. Who? Krishna, Jiddu Krishnamurti is a, it was a um, Indian, he wasn't even from India, he was from, uh, I can't remember what the, I can't remember off the top of my head, mm. but he's, he's basically an Indian um, philosopher but he, he wasn't a philosopher but he basically was mm. and he he's got so many amazing books that just similar to what you were saying about the prophet where he breaks things up into like love and uh friendship and he just into so many different ways mm-hmm. and yeah his his books uh some of the ones that have been the most powerful for me in like the last year yeah let alone, like let mm. alone ever like just they just i picked up at the right time mm. when i was a little bit like started to show a little bit confused about a few things and just tr- going for like a weird transition period and this book just really like grounded me like there was two there was one called uh the awakening of a te- the awakening of it intelligence 
another one called Freedom from the Known, mm. where you can know the intelligence is like literally transcripts of like his talks. So he used to give like talks in front of like hundreds of people. Um, and then Freedom from the Known is more like actual written mm. with a with an author like yeah. passages. Um, both incredible, like honestly. Mm. Like, just so what I'm into because I'm super into like my Eastern mysticism yeah, and sure. spirituality sure. yeah. and that sort of stuff. So same man. It's all that trail of thought. Similar a lot of similar stuff to like the Stoics, like very mm. kind of in that world. So it's like, super interesting. But like it's totally different to everything else because he hasn't he doesn't like associate himself to anything. He right. he doesn't even refer to himself as a philosopher or a this or that. He just always refers to himself as the speaker. Because mm. he's just like, I'm just a speaker. Mm. That's it. Mm. Right. Just passing on stuff. I wonder how, because we're like referencing books that are <clears throat> like decades old or mm. even older. I wonder what, how that's, how this kind of philosophy or these thoughts are going to manifest for like in the next 20, 30 yeah. years. Is it going to be like, will people get this stuff through podcasts or something like that? Like, how, how do you reckon it, it's going to be? Possibly. I think it'll be a bit, I think books are never going to die really, are they? Yeah, yeah. Every, every, like, everyone's getting scared about things. Yeah, like, I don't yeah. think, they, like, they just, they just won't because there's something nice about like I can't read a book on a Kindle I can't I, can't, I haven't even done audio books I just enjoy physical having the physical book, book and ha just knowing that all of the knowledge is there in my hands mm. there's just something really beautiful about it and one of the things funny enough that I took from Krishnamurti was like I, when I used to read a book before I started a chapter I would see how long the chapter was before I read it so I knew do you give yourself time to, uh, yeah like yeah. time to read it or time to just you know whatever could I finish it before whatever um, but then when I was reading his book I just started to not care and I just mm. started reading and it was yeah. like why do I need to know how long the chapter is yeah. I just need to yeah. read what I'm reading right yeah, now right in front of me it. Yeah. 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 is this worth my time yeah, yeah. and some yeah. of the chapters were long and mm. they would just go and they would go and they would go and I still yeah. wouldn't search for the ending yeah. I'd just wait till I got there it's yeah. just like it's a good life lesson yeah. have, you, um, have you read any Osho no I haven't Osho yeah watch Wild Wild Country though on yeah. Netflix that's a very it's, it's about Osho and about Wild Wild Country Wild Country or Wild Wild Country yeah. watch that but um, yeah he's got this book called Emotional Wellness yeah and um, he really he proper talks about because he's this guy he's just like oh, attachment um, there's no such thing as the present and the past he's that, yeah. he's that yeah. kind of guy you know yeah, what I mean? sounds like, yeah. um, and it's really and you know like um He's very interesting, I'd say. Like, he, and it makes you think about attachment in different ways. Mm. The kind of things we get attached to really uh, inhibit us from actually like experience the fullness of life. Do you know mm. what I mean? You know, we feel bonded to certain things, and it's just like, why? Like, we get so consumed about the stuff that is just in our heads and the things that we feel that we need to be, you know, wholeheartedly just attached to. And then it's yeah. like, well, these things are all constraints that you just mm. don't need to be so attached to yeah. you know what I mean we build up so much in our minds so yeah. much is happening up there it's like once we learn to let things go and just move then yeah mm. so I've been using that to kind of work on for the past few years just working on grudges yeah and stuff because I just I can't grudges will kill you you know like I can't yeah, actually yeah. be bothered with it like mm. it's just something if it's if it's causing me that much distress like well, well they say it's like holding a a hot coal with the intention to throw it back at somebody. Right. But yeah. you're the only one that's get, getting burnt exactly. by holding that. So yeah, yeah forgiveness is, is a lot, man. Like, Oh, absolutely. 
it's funny. Um, I was saying to my my wife, I've never had like a romantic heartbreak, mm. but working in the music industry, I've had heartbreak, <laughs> like, creative heartbreak. Yeah, mm. but no, just even like relationships. Yeah, yeah okay. Because yeah. you get into real intense relationships with people, and you because um, it's all intertwined with your hopes and dreams and mm. money and finance and blah. It's like it's like being in a in a relationship, and then um, things happen, and like you, your heart can be can be broken. And it's been very difficult for me to uh, to let go of that, and very mm. um, and to to kind of let go of those those grudges because they're big scars. Do you mm. know what I mean? But you have to like know within yourself that yeah, th- this ain't hurting. This is only hurting me. You know, by by holding on to that as as, as hard as it is to kind of let go and kind of like compartmentalize um, in your mind. And also, like, look at look back at your own actions mm. as well, because uh, probably have the tendency to look back and be like, "I was right here, I was right there, mm. I did this, they did this wrong, mm. blah blah blah." But when you like let go of it a bit and you look back at it, bit back at it as a situation, you're like, "Yeah, yeah you you weren't acting yeah, correctly, yeah. really." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's essentially what you were saying about talking to yourself and mm. learning that, but then it's also really about. Um, Forgiving yourself yeah. in those situations. Yes, I had this conversation with my friend um, the past few months, and talking about like you know friendships that ended negatively, and I was like, how do you kind of like move past that? Like you know, in your head, you're replaying all of the things that went wrong, and then it's like it's like you literally have to sit back and forgive yourself. Like forgive yourself for saying things mm. like that to that person, yeah. for receiving it in that way, and, yep. that. and I'm like, you're right. And then once I did that. I was lighter. Yeah, like, yeah, my man. distress in my neck was gone. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was fine. I was like smiling. Yeah. So it's also, it comes back to what we were talking about earlier about that, that thing of acceptance, isn't yeah. it? And just accepting, you were talking about anger, for example, accepting that you were angry in that moment or yeah. whatever. Yeah. And that's yeah. fine. Like there doesn't need to be anything else. Like it, it was what it was. Like you don't need to hold on to that hot coal anymore. And it's like, Absolutely. I think that lesson of, attachment and letting go of things and acceptance is such a big part of like what we all go through Absolutely. and we kind of learn to process it and understand it so we can come out of it the other side you know for sure man yeah. um dr brené brown oh said God, something recently yeah flipping out amazing but um she was talking to um in her book daring greatly Love she it. um she was breaking down an example of uh i think someone was they had a, an argument with their their spouse or something like that i can't remember the exact example but what she said is but what if they're doing their best yeah, or yeah what if yeah. they're trying their best yeah and it's like ooh, it was her and when you yeah when you oh, it was her and husband okay oh yeah what if he but what if he's just doing his best and it's like well that's like ultimate empathy yeah because it's like shoot in because you can just go back in any situation that you're holding the grudge on mm. it's like oh but what if they were just doing their best and they they just don't know what to do beyond that yeah and then it's like, oh, wow. Yeah. And what if you were doing your best at the time? Like, mm-hmm. You know, because now you can look back and, and actually analyze it. You've kind of grown from that situation. And that allows the space for forgiveness. Yep. And letting go. And it's like. <sighs> yeah. Another full circle moment because it comes back to expectation, doesn't yeah. it? Fully. And the expectation that you're, like I was saying, placing on the other person to then set yourself up for disappointment within yourself so that then you're, you create the conflict yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it is what it is. You create the conflict. And it's like, yeah, I just think learning those things is just invaluable, man. And just like, 
completely Absolutely. completely i mean all of this stuff is is easier said than done but mm. you, you don't learn it unless you actually do it so yeah you know to kind of just jump it is scary because it's just so easy to kind of um just stay in that uh the stance of i'm i, I was right or i'm right and that's it like i'm not gonna yeah I'm not going to talk to this person because I was right, blah, blah, blah. But if you really take a minute and just analyse it mm. and let go and just, just see what happens within that, that mm. space. Yeah. Any um, final words or thoughts or something you've taken from this conversation? Forgive yourself. Because I think if you start with yourself and just allow that space within yourself to forgive you first mm -hmm. and everything that's happened in your life because no one knows you better than you if you can forgive yourself from certain things then that, I think that will allow the space for you to start forgiving others mm. and then the, the peace that that will just open up in your life in their lives and then ultimately everyone's lives yeah. is just phenomenal words are so important it's kind of what I'm taking from this like mm. we all seem to be affected by obviously particular conversations particular books particular pieces of writing you mm. know what I mean they're so important to how they how you are shaped and how you then are shaping yourself for the, your future present you know what I mean mm. like you're there and like when you have a picture of, your, of yourself in like you know 10, 15, 20 years time and you think about all the books and stuff and the things that you've learned and the conversations you've had and the communication that you've done up until that point it's like you're just building up to become the uh, the best person that you could possibly be. Mm. So yeah, words are so important. Words are key. Yeah, that's Absolutely. what I'm taking from I this. I think I'd add on top of that, just <clears throat> the understanding of yourself and, and the kind of places and things that you've experienced and coming back to letting go, I suppose, like accepting that level of acceptance. Like that's that's been a massive thing for me this year. It's like learning not even this year like last couple of years like learning just acceptance like the power of it mm. not like there's anything in particular that I'm like I had to learn to accept this one thing I'm just as a general thing like just the acceptance of like situations are what they are mm. conversations are what they are feelings are what they are like yeah, it's man. all it's all temporary really and it's mm. like if you can accept that then you can move on yeah. and let go of a lot of stuff absolutely yeah. you yeah. don't need to make it harder in yourself because yeah. Life is harder, really. Exactly, exactly man. Exactly, you got exactly. bills to pay. Exactly. <laughs> 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 to be making it harder. <laughs> so, so before we sign out, do you guys want to let people know where they can find you online, where they can check out your podcasts and Perfect. anything else you want to shout about? Yeah, man. So um, my show's on YouTube, um, Ryan Nile Show, and on all podcasts. Um, also, For The Creators, um, just search that on um, on your podcast. But yeah, Instagram, ryan.nile.show, and on Twitter, where you won't find this guy, but you find me, <laughs> <laughs> uh, at Ryan Nile. Yeah. Um, you'll find my podcast on Twitter. Mm. At, uh, no, cheat code. Uh, <laughs> um, no, yeah, so my podcast is, is Time To Talk with Alex Reeds. Um, you can find that on all of any place that you find your podcasts anywhere um, so then you'll, you can follow that on Twitter that's tttalkpod on Twitter um, on Instagram you'll find me on my shiny face um, at Alex Reads um, yeah just hit me up like 
have a chat have a chat have a chat have a talk yeah, drop me a message uh, I'm quite receptive on that dope See, cool yeah. cheers guys appreciate that thank you yeah, man. man thank you thank you for this space yeah appreciate it so there we have it guys I hope you enjoyed that episode and as I said at the beginning that was a really interesting raw open conversation that i loved man especially the bit about love languages especially the bit where you know we were talking about expectations versus happiness i think there's some real relevance in that and you know especially for me like i put way too much expectation in things or people or places only to then be let down and then it affects my happiness so i think it's about addressing that balance and recognizing the things that we're doing within that but yeah as ever guys you know if there is someone that you think would benefit from listening to this episode then do share this podcast episode with them help spread the message help spread the love as i said at the beginning if you could also leave a five-star review on itunes that helps spread the message so much because it helps boost the podcast up the rankings and itunes and helps new people discover these amazing conversations and you can always connect with me on instagram at i am alex manzi if you want to get in touch if you want to say hello if you want to tell me your favorite episodes if you want to suggest some topics you want to hear me talking about anything like that i'm always welcome to hear it and always taking that feedback on board but thank you for listening and i will see you for the next episode This podcast is produced by Unedited.